China's yuan is falling, and some would say it's crashing, and they wouldn't necessarily be wrong. At 7.30 to the U.S. dollar, which is where CNY is as I'm speaking, it's an exceptionally low level, a low level not seen in quite some time, which obviously raises the question, what is going on with China's yuan? And you may or may not be surprised to find out that it's very similar to what's going on with the Japanese yen, or the British pound, the European euro, Aussie dollar, any number of currencies around the world. What's actually happening with China is what's happening to everybody else, which is the US dollar and euro dollar. But because there's so much misconception, there's so much rampant economic liter illiteracy, which is understandable given the absolutely horrible, horrendous job that economics has done educating the public on how money actually works in the world, it's not surprising that people have all these misconceptions. But these are not trivial matters. China's yuan crashing in the manner that it is tells us something not just about China, but also about the rest of the world, the rest of the monetary world as it might impact our own lives, our own markets, our own investments, and everything else. Everything is tied back together to the real reserve currency. So let's talk about China's yuan crash today in the context of a reserve, the actual reserve currency and what it actually means. And before getting into that, of course, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. If I had a theme song, I'd, pl I'd play one right now or because we're pretend fake university, maybe there will be a fight song someday. But either way, welcome. Uh, if you want to know all about Eurodollar University, what we offer, we have memberships available. Check it out at eurodollar.university. That's the website. The memberships are exclusive content, educational videos, the background stuff, diagramming, getting knee deep into the, the historical content, as well as how all this stuff fits together. We have subscriptions available. Uh, there's a daily briefing that I put together in partnership with Stephen Van Meter and Tracy Chukart. Uh, that's at Markets Insider Pro, but you can also get information about that at Eurodollar.University. Also, subscription to something I call the Daily Deep Dive Analysis, DDA, which takes a look at much of this, a lot of the things that we talk about on these videos. And as the name implies, we go much deeper into them. So getting everybody prepared for what, what, uh, what the world is doing and how we can all face the, uh, the implications of money and macro together at least understanding a little bit more about how the world works. And on that, in that same vein, in that, on this very topic, let's talk again about China's yuan and the euro dollar, the crash. What's actually going on with China? Whenever currencies fall, as we see in China or Japan, a lot of times, at least you know, in the recent past, a little bit less nowadays, but in the recent past, Immediately, people would say, oh, that's just countries devaluing their currency as some sort of back or backward uh, export stimulus program, the beggar thy neighbor that's in all of the economics textbooks. And that has, the Chinese have been accused of this ever since the yuan first began falling unexpectedly about a decade ago, right, right, at, right at the beginning of, of 2014. Ever since then, the yuan has gone down. It hasn't gone down in a straight line, obviously. And every time it does, you'll hear somebody say that the PBOC or the Chinese government, the communists, want to stimulate their export economy. And why wouldn't they? Their export, uh, the export sector is a huge part of the Chinese economy. That never held up in 2015, nor again in 2018 into 2019, because if that was supposed to be an export stimulus, it was a horrific, ineffective, um, waste of time because it never stimulated any exports. But we know that's not the case. Um, 
we know that it, it didn't work because that wasn't the whole reason behind it. And yet still people attribute any currency's movements to the government of the, that the currency supposedly belongs to. So maybe if it wasn't export stimulus, maybe the Chinese had some other reasons for reducing their own currency against other exchange values, whether that's some kind of uh, hidden program, whatever. Um, we're told and we're led to believe that governments are in control of currencies. Therefore, you see a big move in a currency. It must be because that government wants it to happen. But we know that's not the case. We knew it wasn't the case before, but we know for certain that's not the case in 2022. Now, just at the end of last month in, in September, the PBOC Chinese authorities announced that they were preparing their commercial banking system to quote unquote, defend the yuan, defend CNY against speculators. So they basically came out and said, we're not responsible for the yuan's decline. It's obviously because of the marketplace and damn it, we're gonna blame these speculators for, for, uh, for, for moving the yuan lower in a way that the Chinese authorities don't want it. And this is where, you know, a lot of people have uh, a lot of, make a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what a reserve currency is and what it's supposed to do. And that's, again, as I said before, that's understandable because we've all been taught something that it just, it isn't true. And then in the mainstream uh, discourse and convention, there's a whole bunch of other myths, starting with something like the petrodollar or the petrowan. Remember back in 2018, when the Chinese said, we're gonna start pricing some of, some of the, our, the oil that we import in our own currency. And all the usual suspects, all the dollar doomers got out there and said, ah, oh, see, this is the end of the dollar. The Chinese are gonna price oil in Yuan and that's gonna, that's gonna be the end of the petrodollar, therefore the end of the dollar. And sure enough, only weeks after the petrodollar launched, which after a comedy of errors there anyway, but the petro-yuan petro launches, I think it was at the end of March of 2018. Within a matter of weeks, the Chinese yuan crashed, it collapsed. It was not the way in which the dollar doomers were saying. And the reason is because the petro-yuan doesn't really make much of a difference. That's not what a reserve currency is. Pricing commodities in a reserve currency doesn't define a reserve currency, nor does something like the IMF bucket. That was another thing that everybody, the dollar doomers in particular, were making a big deal in 2017. Oh, the renminbi, CNY is gonna be included in the IMS reserve classification. Therefore, it must be a reserve currency. Well, it doesn't really matter what the IMF says, nor does it matter if countries around the world accumulate CNY as part of their own reserve buckets. That is not what a reserve currency is either. It's not a portfolio asset, it is a currency, a useful medium of exchange. Which th what that means is that you have different countries, different systems around the world that need to talk to each other, that need to transact with each other. And in order for that to happen, you have this reserve currency, what I call a middle currency, way back when, uh, I'll show you a quote here from October of 1963, they called it a vehicle currency. That's probably a better term, a vehicle currency which means that you have to have a currency in between these two different systems that they can transact with one another through this medium, a real literal medium of exchange. So in the, in the, in the uh, example that I always use, you have a Japanese importer trying to buy goods in Sweden, 
How do you do that? Because otherwise, you know, the Swedish company would have to receive yen that the Japanese have to pay, or the Japanese would have to have it on their at their fingertips or within easy reach. They would have to have Swedish currency kroner in order to pay the the the, imp, the exporter in Sweden. And nobody, I mean, in that case, in a lot of cases around the world, they're just you don't have enough of the foreign currency that the, the, the uh, importers have available that they can pay for these imp what the goods that they're importing. So that if they have a currency that is common and useful in both places. So in our example, if, if uh, J the Japanese can easily source, say, U.S. dollars because there are dollars available in Japan and that those dollars are useful in Sweden so that they can pay in U.S. dollars, or if they don't need them in Sweden, they can easily change U.S. dollars into Swedish kroner, then this vehicle currency, this middle currency, allows for these two very different currency systems, these two very different national ge geographies, national economic systems, to be able to efficiently transact as if one was paying in yen and the other is receiving kroner because that's exactly what happens. As long as there's a U.S. dollar in between, it works. But that means that the U.S. dollar has to be available in efficient, efficiently, it has to be available readily, it has to be available in predictable fashion pretty much everywhere. And that's not just true of the, Euro, of the U.S. dollar, it's true of any legitimate reserve currency. It has to be available, it has to be able to perform this role of a vehicle or middle currency everywhere around the world where anybody wants to involve themselves in global trade markets or financial flows because the U.S. dollar also intermediates financial flows. If you can easily exchange your own currency into U.S. dollars and then exchange U.S. dollars into another currency, you can easily invest pretty much anywhere around the world, including into China. Now, the Chinese currency does not work like that, and it will not work like that anytime soon. In fact, the Chinese have been pretty clear they don't want it to work like that, so they're not interested in using CNY as a reserve currency. That's a different topic we get into some other time. But needless to say, over the years since, the Chinese have said, you know, we'd rather use SDRs than our own currency. So a reserve currency has to be available as a as a middle currency or medium exchange everywhere. And that's why it's the euro dollar, not the U.S. dollar. Because the U.S. dollar system is the U.S. dollar system. It's basically a misunderstanding of the idea that the U.S. dollar currency only, only works in, in the U.S. in the United States. Whereas the euro dollar is the offshore component, which is really the only component, which makes sure that these dollars are available all around the world so that you can transact from one place to another intermediating through the vehicle currency which means that if there's a problem in this reserve currency this middle currency it's not a problem just for those using it it's a problem for those using it, but it's a problem for everybody everywhere so if we if we see a sharp dollar issue in japan it stands the reason that you'll say you'll see something like that in china but the way in which the Chinese actually connect to the euro dollar system is a little bit unique, and it's worth it's worth exploring and going into this a little bit more. Um, the Chinese currency is not fully it's not freely floating. The PBOC still likes to maintain some control, at least the illusion of control over the currency. Obviously, it's illusion of control; otherwise, they wouldn't be doing all these other measures, including 
deputizing commercial banks. So they set a basic, they set the a daily trading midpoint and then a, allow a trading band surrounding that midpoint of about 2%. So 2% to the high side, 2% to the low side. And what the PBOC has said is that if the market rate for CNY goes to one extreme or the other, say the upper extreme, then the Chinese authorities will intervene in the marketplace to make sure that CNY stays within its daily trading band. Now, when it gets too weak, what the Chinese are saying is that they will sell dollars and buy yuan to try to firm yuan up into their, make sure it stays in the, in the daily trading band, if not closer to the midpoint than not. But that's the language of traders. That's the language of the mainstream. That's not what actually happens here. The Chinese aren't actually selling dollars. That might be the mechanical process. They're supplying dollars. They're supplying dollars into a marketplace where dollars are becoming more expensive. So let's assume that on the as day one, a simple example, the Chinese, the Chinese People's Bank of China set their midpoint, the daily trading ban is established, and then the, uh, during the trading day, the dollars become a little bit harder to source for Chinese banks because they need them, they need this middle currency, and the CNY is a little bit weaker compared to the, also, the midpoint, but also the, daily, the bottom end of the daily trading ban. What is, this, what is the People's Bank of China gonna do at the end of the day? Well, they have a couple of options. They could mobilize their reserves, sell dollars and buy yuan, or the next day they might, they might weaken the daily midpoint uh, so that the daily trading ban goes down a little bit too, recognizing maybe there's some factors in the, in, the, in the local marketplace so that they're not necessarily, they don't wanna supply dollars, they don't wanna be intervening in the market, but they do wanna recognize that there's some softness in the marketplace. So they lower the midpoint, they lower the daily trading ban, and here we'll assume that the same thing happens. Dollars are hard to come by for Chinese banks, which means CNY is gonna fall a little bit more. What do you do then? Well, it, if, you if you see constant weakness, you're a Chinese authority, you see constant weakness in the marketplace, most of the time what you're gonna do is continue to weaken the daily fix, unless you want to intervene. If you wanna sell dollars or really subsidize local banks in their bid for dollars, then you're forced to constantly lower and lower and lower the daily midpoint and the trading band. And we know the Chinese don't want to uh, use their reserves because they basically tell us this. Not only with the commercial banking, uh, the commercial bank directive at the end of the last month, but just look at Chinese uh, statistics. Look at the PBOC's balance sheet. The asset side of the balance sheet Forex, clearly that's being manipulated. They don't want to sell the reserves. Safe, for, uh, safe uh, the level of foreign reserves held by China as a whole, not just at the PBOC. They're, they're falling, but they're only falling moderately, First, especially in comparison when the last time the Chinese Yuan weakened as fast and as far as it had back in 2014 and 2015, when the Chinese absolutely did sell the reserves in huge amounts and it didn't work. Chinese Yuan fell in value anyway, sharply, and that China paid all sorts of economic consequences. So you can, just from that example, you can understand why the Chinese don't really wanna use the reserves. It doesn't actually work all that well. So that brings us up to last week. The Chinese have been continuously lowering and lowering the daily fix, recognizing, well, they're blaming speculators, but it's not speculators. The Euro dollar system is saying dollars are hard to come by, therefore it's charging 
a higher premium to borrow them, to secure them, mostly in the form of derivatives, forex, and currency swaps. And because the, 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 there's shortage of dollars, balance sheet capacity in the euro dollar system, the Chinese are having to pay a huge, a bigger and bigger, a huge premium to continuously source this vehicle or medium currency or metal currency. So last week, the Chinese said, we got to do something about this. They, as I said, they deputized their commercial banks at the end of last month and said, when we give you the word, you need to go into the marketplace. Let's punish us some damn speculators because why not? I mean, that seems to be what we're, we're blaming every, we're blaming speculators for CNY's fall. Let's put this plan into action. So last Wednesday, the Chinese uh, PBOC fixed Yuan much higher. So reversing the trend, they said, let's, let's, today's the day we're going to punish the speculators. They, they, they pushed the yuan fix way higher, but they also said, we're not going to intervene. We're going to use our commercial banks to intervene on our behalf. And for one day, the Chinese currency, especially in the offshore market in Hong Kong, the, the, the yuan absolutely surged. It surged by, I think it was a record amount or close to a record amount, a record daily amount. But either way, after falling almost as low as 7.30, it was as low, almost as low as 7.30 intraday, Closed about 6.26.27 last Tuesday. Then Wednesday, boom, it flies way up to around 7.15. Big, huge move. And very next day, started falling again, fell again on Friday, and here we are on Monday, 7.30 all over again. So they punished speculators, made a big, huge show, not selling their foreign official reserves, but making commercial banks sell the reserves. And it didn't make a bit of difference because it's not speculators. The issue here is euro dollar. It's not even really China. It's China in the respect that Chinese the Chinese economy and financial system is increasingly a mess. And then, of course, Xi Jinping, the 20th Party Congress, which just put an exclamation point on the political risks involved with China. So in a world where the global reserve currency is in shorter and shorter supply, those supplying the currency become choosier. They say, if you're a higher, if you're a higher risk, I perceive, perceive you're a higher risk, I'm going to demand more a return in order to lend you the U.S. dollars that you absolutely need because there is no other reserve currency available right now. And there isn't going to be one anytime soon. So Japan looks to be in really bad shape. Why? As I said in that video I did before, because the Japanese import everything they absolutely need. They import food and energy, which is a mess, a major issue right now. And so the euro dollar system is demanding an exorbitant premium for the Japanese to buy the goods and services, really the mostly the basic goods of life that they need. Um, British pound, different reason, similar reasons, but the British government, obviously unstable, total mess, British financial system, all that stuff. So the euro dollar system is demanding a higher premium from Great Britain to participate in this intermediation. Uh, Europe, India, even though India's economy is compared to everybody else, probably so much better off still. Dollars are in short supply, forcing the Indians to actually sell their reserves, which they don't want to do, but they're doing it anyway. And it brings us to China. China is doing all the things that basically tell you, the outright state, 
we have an enormous dollar problem that is causing big issues that everybody can see by its currency. They don't want to sell the reserves, so they're paying up in the fallen currency. They don't want the currency to fall, but it's not their choice. It's not their option. If you need dollars, you got to offer an even larger and larger and larger premium to just secure the dollars you had yesterday, let alone trying to get more dollars in hand. So Chinese Yuan, Japanese Yen, all these other currencies, they're telling us about risks in the global economy as well as the global financial system. So even though the Swiss National Bank, for example, didn't have any dollar bidders, we see much more importantly this week, China's Yuan tells us we still have a major dollar problem tied to perceptions of global economic weakness, recession, if not something worse. And with the with all these currencies falling, as I say all, all the time, especially China's Yuan, CNY down equals bad. And it equals bad for everybody. So China's Yuan crash is everybody's problem. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. As always, thank you to members, subscribers, We'll scroll some membership names at the end of the at the end of the video here. Check us out, eurodollar.university. Said so before, there's memberships, video exclusive content, Q and A's. There's subscriptions, a daily briefing. Uh, keep you keep yourself caught up on what happens every day. Deep dive analysis if you're interested in going further behind the stuff we talk about on the videos into the nitty gritty, the implications, the consequences of all this stuff. That's available to eurodollar.university. Until next time, take care. See you soon.